How many of you got big plans this week for Thanksgiving? You got plans to get together with family? Get together with family? Anybody traveling? Anybody traveling this weekend? Nobody in here traveling. Wow, in the first service, everybody was traveling. So I guess that's why they came to the early service, right? They wanted to get in here, get out, and start traveling right away. I don't know. Um, but uh, that's great, though. I know many people will be traveling. Some are already traveling uh, to be with family and things like that. It's always a great time of year to get together with family and, uh, you know, get your fill of turkey and uh, stuffing and, uh, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cranberry. How many of you like cranberry sauce? Like cranberry sauce? Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. Um, but that's okay, you know. God loves everybody. Amen, right? All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, that's good. No, we'll be praying for those who are traveling, and obviously it's a great time to be able to get together uh, with family and friends during that time. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great time. We, we give thanks to, you know, for the country we live in. We give thanks for, uh, you know, the family that we have and being able to be with family and things like this. But I think the most important thing, especially for Christians, that we ought to give thanks for is to the Lord, uh, for what He's done for us. In Psalms 95, we're going to read the whole chapter here. It's just 11 verses. Psalms 95. He says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. Strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation And as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the good singing this morning already. Lord, we ask that you just bless, Lord, as we study your word together. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and that our hearts would be yielded to you and tender to what you'd have for us this morning. Lord, just bless and work as only you can. Be those watching via live stream as well. Lord, we ask that you would just encourage them through the services today. Lord, that the message would speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalms 95 is a very, it's a very powerful chapter. Um, it's a very important chapter. In fact, um, it's said that Psalms 95 is probably the most um, referred to uh, psalm as far as in a whole, because if you go to Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, you find much of Psalms 95 in those two chapters. Uh, the author of Hebrews refers back to Psalms 95 and quotes much of Psalms 95 in those two chapters. Um, but it's a psalm of it's a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of thanksgiving, uh, recognizing who our God is and giving glory and praise and honor to Him uh, because He deserves that. And this morning, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. Um, 
He deserves our thanks. God deserves our thanks. He deserves our praise. Yes, we can be thankful that we, uh, for the family that we have. We can be thankful for our church. We can be thankful for our country and things like that. But really, I believe more than anything else, we ought to give thanks to the Lord for who He is, for what He's done in our life this morning. And um, I want you to notice how He begins here in Psalms 95. Notice how He begins. O come... Let us sing unto the Lord. Notice that. He says, O come, and then notice the next two words, let us. You notice he doesn't just say, let me, right? He says, let us. This is, this is a communal praise. This is communal thanksgiving. This is, the psalmist is saying, let's gather together. And uh, I'm sure throughout the message, I will probably say, David, um, we're, we're not exactly sure who is the author, which psalmist wrote this. David wrote many of the psalms, but also throughout here, you have uh, psalms that Asaph wrote, and you have psalms that Moses wrote, and others. And um, in Hebrews, it talks about, uh, as it refers back to Psalms 95, about being from the book of David. And so we're not really sure if that's referring to the whole book of Psalms, because much of the Psalms was written by David, uh, or if it's just referring to this specific chapter. So I may say David uh, throughout this, if I do, uh, don't hold me to that. It's not an exact uh, for certain who actually wrote the book, uh, uh, chapter 95 here. But the psalmist is saying this is, a, this is a communal praise. He says, let us sing unto the Lord. In fact, I want you to draw your attention to the word come. He says, oh, come, right? In fact, in this chapter, there are three times that the word come is used. In verse number one, he says, oh, come. In verse number two, he says, let us come. And then verse number six, again, he says, oh, come. Right? And so three times in this passage, he uses the word come. What's interesting, and, and many times in, in, in English, we have one word for come. And that is come. I'm just making sure we're all on the same page here, right? Come, right? But in Hebrew, there's actually three different words that are being used that are translated the word come. We just have the one word in English, come, but there's three different Hebrew words because there's three different real meanings as far as what, uh, I was going to say David there, what David is saying or the psalmist is saying here in in Psalms uh, chapter 95. So notice he says, he says, oh, come. The word come here is the, it's the Hebrew word halach. It means to travel or to make a journey. Right? So think about what he's saying here. They were encouraged to travel from where they were throughout Israel to the house of God to worship. Right? This is what we do every time the doors are open. We're encouraging people. We're saying, come. Come from where you are. Come from your home. Get in your car. Get on your bike. Whatever it might be. Um, but come. We're going to come together as a body of believers. And communally, we're going to worship our God. That's what he's saying. Come, let us worship, right? We just, we just did that. We'll, we'll think about the songs we just sang. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian, right? We're singing that together. Yes, uh, we can say, well, oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. That's I- individual. That's true. But we're singing it as a body of believers. Think about we sang, tell it to Jesus, right? Aren't you glad we can go to Jesus with anything? We can tell it to him. We, we sang, my Jesus, I love thee. Right? I mean, these were songs that we were able to sing together as a body of believers. They were encouraged to travel to the house of God to worship. We travel, we journey, we come to worship 
here at the house of God. This is what we would say, this is our church. This is uh, where we come and worship. And so we're coming together as a body of believers. Of course, individual praise is important. Individual thanksgiving is important as well. I mean, the Bible clearly tells us that in the book of Ephesians. You know, one of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord right? That, that's, that's individual, right? I can individually be singing in, in my heart, and, and we should be. We can be praising the Lord all throughout the day and, and thinking about the goodness of God. But he says, hey, there, there ought to be a time where we come together as the body of believers. We come together. We travel from wherever we're coming. We come together, and we worship, and we give thanks to our God. That's what he's saying here. Oh, come. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Why does God deserve our praise? Why does God deserve thanksgiving? Well, that's what he talks about here in this song. He's telling us this is what we ought to do. He says, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. We ought to give him thanksgiving. But why? Why? Well, I think the psalmist tells us that here in this passage, why he deserves our praise, why he deserves our thanksgiving. I want you to notice the first thing he says, notice in verse number one, come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise and notice to the rock of our salvation. He says, we ought to give him praise. We ought to give him thanksgiving because he is our salvation. He is the rock of our salvation. The word rock here is, is the Hebrew word. It's, it's sur. It means a, a boulder or a rocky cliff, right? Uh, Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus is that rock of our salvation. Uh, when you think about the, you think about the, the song that maybe you sang in Sunday school or, or junior church or something like that. And we have the parable of it in the New Testament. The wise man built his house upon the rock the foolish man built his house upon the sand right the foolish man built his house upon the sand and what happens the rains come the the wind comes it beats upon the house and it falls flat right but the wise man who built his house upon a rock right now i could go out here in in across the street here where maybe some of you are parked and i could pick up a rock and i'd be like you build your house on this is that what he's talking about? No, that's just like, that's a little rock. The, the rock that he's speaking about here is that boulder. He's, it's, that, it's that cliff face that he says, hey, the wise man's going to build his house upon the rock. And when the winds come and when the winds blow and, and the storm comes, guess what happened? That house is going to stand firm. Why? Because it's built on a rock. It's built on that boulder. That's, that is something that is unmovable. Though the storms may, may batter us, our rock is unmovable. He says here again, think about it. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. He, our rock, is our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our defender. He's our deliverer. He's our strength. 
He's our security. He's the rock from whom flows the water of life. If you remember in the, in the Old Testament in Exodus, as the children of Israel were murmuring that they didn't have any water, and God tells Moses to strike the rock, and, and out of that rock was going to come water to feed the entire nation, or to, to give drink to the entire nation of Israel and their animals. What was it? That, that rock was a picture of Jesus Christ, that through Christ would come living water. Through him, he was the, the living water that we could have, and, and salvation through him he is that rock of salvation you think about hannah's prayer you remember the story of hannah hannah has no children her husband has two wives the one wife has has children but hannah does not and hannah is very burdened about this and guess where she goes she goes to the temple and as she's in the temple she's praying and she's asking god for a child She says, God, if you'll give me a child, I'll give the child back to you. I'll dedicate him back to you. Whatever you want, the child is yours. But what's really fascinating in this prayer that Hannah prays in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 2, she says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Think about the faith of this woman as she's praying and asking God. She's saying, God, I know that even in my time of trial and even in my time of distress, I can come before you. And though I may be weak and I may not be be as stable as I should, God, I know that you are my rock. You're unmovable. You're the rock that I can go to. You are my God. David says something very similar in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 32. He says, for who is God, save the Lord? And who is a rock, save our God? Do you get the the idea that throughout Scripture, God's trying to show us that our God is immovable? There's nothing more powerful than our God. Nothing can move Him because He is that rock. And because of Jesus Christ and the salvation that He offers, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have that unmovable rock as our salvation. And you know what He says? We ought to praise Him for that. We ought to give him thanks for that. We ought to rejoice. And this is what he says. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of my salvation. Can I ask you, do you remember? Do you remember that day you accepted Christ as your Savior? Remember that day that you finally realized that you were a sinner? That Jesus Christ was the only one who could save you from your sins? Wasn't your church? Wasn't being good? Wasn't getting baptized? But it was only Jesus Christ. And at that time, you recognized that you were a sinner and that Jesus Christ would save you, and and you put your faith and trust in Him. Can you remember that time? I, I remember. I remember exactly where I was. I don't exactly remember the date. I know it was a Saturday night, uh, and it was three, about three o'clock in the morning, and, and I was on a, on a floor in a, in a college dormitory on my knees with another student, and I was crying out to God for him to save me. I had finally recognized that I was a sinner in need of a savior. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never done that. Maybe you've been trusting in your religion. 
Maybe you've been trusting in being a church member. Maybe you've been trusting in, in a baptism or some religious ritual. Maybe you've been thinking that, well, I'm a good enough person. I can, I can go to heaven my, by myself. No, friend. Can I tell you something? Your house is built on sand. And it's not going to last. You see, he is the rock of our salvation. It's not what we have done. It's not anything that I can do. If I'm trying to do it myself, then I'm just simply putting my salvation on nothing but sand, and it's going to wash away. But when our faith is on Jesus Christ, he becomes the rock of our salvation. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that day? If not, can I encourage you today? Man, today, make this day the day of your salvation. Make this day the day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and and turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and accept Jesus Christ by faith. We'd love to take the word of God and show you how to do that. It's not our words. It's God's words. It's not our salvation. It's his. He is the rock of our salvation. Well, I can't say I've never done this before. Because we just did it in the 9 o'clock service. But before the 9 o'clock service, I'd never, I've never done this before in the service. We're going to do something a little bit unusual this morning. Right? Because notice what he says. Oh, come. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You know what he wants? He wants our praise. He wants our thanksgiving. I want you to take your songbooks. Take your songbooks out. There should be one right in front of you, maybe. If you can't find one, I think we'll have the words on the screen here. But this morning, as we go through this psalm, and by the way, we're not going to get all the way through this psalm, but that's okay, because we have next Sunday too, right? Amen. As we go through this song, we're going to stop every once in a while, and we're just going to praise him. We're just going to give him thanks for what he's done as we think about who our God is. Think about what he says here. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I want you to take your songbook and turn to page 130. Page 130 is a wonderful song called Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Now we're not going to sing every verse of every song. But I want you just to sing a couple of verses. We're just going to sing verses 1 and 2 this morning. We're just going to sing an a cappella. But here's what I want you to do. As we sing these words, I want you to sing them as a praise to him. I want you to sing them with thanksgiving in your heart. I want you to sing them thinking about where you were when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And recognizing that he is the only one who could save you when he became your rock of salvation. Let's sing verses 1 and 2. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace 
Is my fears relieved? How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed. Aren't you glad you know Jesus as your Savior? Aren't you glad that it's not about us, it's about what Jesus did, and He is the rock of our salvation? He is our salvation. But here's what's really interesting about this. And notice in verse number 2, He says, Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. There's that second word, come. The first word, come, means let's gather together. We're going to travel, we're going to journey together. But here's the second word, come. This word is not the same word. This is the word, kidem. It means to meet or appear in front of. Now watch, watch this. This is so good. Let us come. Let us meet. Let us come before his presence. Christian, do you understand That we have a privilege that no one else has. That we can come and meet face to face with God in his very presence. You say, well, I've never seen God face to face. No, we may not be able to see him physically face to face. But God says we we can come into his presence. And, And that's what he's meaning here. We can enter the presence to go to meet God face to face and offer him thanksgiving. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. It's only because of that that we can enter into his presence. Do you remember? You remember in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament... That you had the, they had the tabernacle or the temple. And in the tabernacle and the temple, there were two rooms. And in those two rooms, you had the Holy of Holies, which had the table of showbread and, and the golden candlestick and the altar of incense. But then there was another smaller room in the back that was called the, the Holy of Holies. You had the holy place and you had the Holy of Holies. But here's the problem. The Holy of Holies was separated from the holy place by a veil, by a curtain. And only once a year could one man and one man alone enter into the presence of God. One man. And that was the high priest. Even all of the other priests did not have the privilege to enter into the presence of God. Only the high priest once a year the Levites, they were chosen by God to be the, the special tribe to take care of the house of God. The Levites did not have the privilege to enter into the presence of God. The children of Israel, these were God's chosen people. None of them had the privilege to enter into his presence. That veil kept them from his presence. But one day, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And when Jesus Christ died, and the Bible says when he gave up the ghost, he didn't, death did not take him, he willingly gave it up. The Bible says that 
that veil, that curtain that was in the temple was torn in two. That, that divider that was there between God and man was torn in two. And now God says through Jesus Christ that anyone who puts their faith and trust in Him, every single one of them can have the privilege to enter into His presence. Do you understand that before we got saved, we did not have that privilege? Before we got saved, we could not enter into the presence of God. Our sin was keeping us from God. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, now he says, come. You don't have to just gather together communally. No, he says, now I want you to come. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to meet me. I want you to enter in and we're going to be face to face. We're going to have that relationship together. He says, oh, come before his presence with thanksgiving. Think about what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, his body is the one because of his shed blood. Now we can enter into that. That veil is no longer there. Now we can enter into the presence of Jesus Christ or in the presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can enter into God's very presence. They couldn't do that in the Old Testament. The privilege that we have Think about what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You notice in both of these passages, there's a key word that he mentions here. The key word is boldly. Boldly. Sometimes I'll be talking in the office with somebody and all of a sudden the door will open and boom, here comes Malachi in. He just busts in, right? No fear. He knows this is dad's office. Maybe he can't see because he can't see the window, but he knows, hey, I can go in dad's office anytime. Boom, he just busts in. And, you know, maybe I might say, hey, I'm talking to somebody you need to leave or whatever. But he has no fear to come in my office. You know what God says? That's how he wants you to enter. You say, oh, but shouldn't we enter reverently? Yes, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying we don't have to be afraid to enter the presence. Well, I'm just not worthy. None of us are worthy, but he says, come boldly. Come boldly into my presence. I want to have this relationship with you. You come. He says you have the the right to come because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So come boldly into his presence. Come into the presence of God with thanksgiving. What a privilege we have. Can we not say thank you to God for that? For the privilege of being able to enter into his very presence? I want you to turn over with me in your songbook to page number five. Page number five. Think about this song. I will praise him. Again, he says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. He wants us to come. He wants us to bring him honor. He wants us to bring him glory. We're going to sing in in, in psalms, um, or excuse me, page, (laughs) psalms. It is a song, but we're going to sing page number five. I will praise him. Just the first and the third verse. And again, as we think about it, we're able to enter the presence of God at any moment. Yeah, you can enter the presence of God here in church, and that's great. But you know what? At home, you can enter the presence of God. While you're driving your car, you can enter the presence of God. He says, come boldly. Anytime that we want to, we have the privilege and we have the right as his children to enter into his presence. 
But here's what we ought to enter with. Thanksgiving and praise. When I saw the cleansing fountain Open wide for all my sin I obeyed the Spirit's wooing When He said, Wilt thou be clean? And I will praise Him I will praise Him Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood has washed away each stain. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I'm so glad He took me in. He's forgiven my transgressions. He has cleansed my heart from sin. And I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people. For His blood can wash away each thing. You see, He deserves praise. He deserves thanksgiving. For He is our salvation. He's our salvation. But can I say, secondly, not only is He our salvation, notice in verse number 3, this is so good. For the Lord is a great God. A great God. And a great King. Above all gods. I don't know if you're in the habit of marking your Bibles, but that's a great verse. The Lord is a great God. He's a great God. And a great king above all gods. You say, Pastor, I thought you only believed that there is one God. That's true. There is only one real God. There's only one Godhead. We believe in one God. That God is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Godhead. You say, well, why, do you, why, does he say, why does he talk about all these? He's the king above all gods. Because you have to understand, as, as Israel was coming into the promised land, guess what they found in the promised land with, with all these other different groups of people that were there, the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the, uh, the Amalekites and, and, and all these They found other gods. They found that they worshipped other gods. They didn't worship the real true God. They worshipped Molech. They worshipped Baal. They worshipped Ashtaroth. They worshipped uh, later even in uh, the New Testament. They worshipped the goddess Diana. They had gods and goddesses for everything. I mean, uh, you think about the Hindus. The Hindus have over a million gods. Can you imagine that? A million gods. They, they had gods of the sea. They had gods of the sun. They had gods of the mountains. They had gods for the crops. I mean, they had gods for everything. You remember when uh, God brought Israel out of Egypt, the plagues that God brought upon Egypt? Do you understand what those ten plagues were? They weren't just plagues that God said, oh, let me just, let me just make up some plagues. No, each of the plagues was against one of the Egyptian gods. All of these gods that they worshipped, the god of the Nile River and the god of the sun and, and the god of darkness, they worshipped all these different gods. And when God brought in and, and Moses and through Moses, God brought all these plagues, what was God trying to show the Egyptians? Yes, he was trying to show Israel who he was, but he's also trying to show the Egyptians, your gods are nothing. They're, they're not real. They're, they're fake. They're no gods at all. And as God brought Israel into the promised land and they defeated the Amalekites and they defeated the Amorites and the, the, the Perizzites and the Hittites and all these different ones, what was he showing? Your gods are nothing. 
That's why they got so upset. They said, well, you know, well, the reason why we lost the battle to the Israelites was because the, the, the God of the mountain was against us. So let's have the battle in the plain next time. And so they had the battle in the plain and then they got defeated again. Well, they said, well, the reason why we got defeated was because the God of the plain. They, they were coming up with gods for everything. They had all kinds of gods. But this is what the psalmist is saying. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. There is only one God and he is king over everything. That's what the psalmist is saying. Hey, you don't have to look to these other gods. These other gods are fake. They're fake. Aren't you glad that you don't have to go to an idol and and bow down to an idol or worship an idol that, that is made out of brass or made out of stone or made out of wood or something like that? You know, that was made by someone's hands. And when you talk to that thing, it cannot hear you. When you stand in front of that thing, it cannot see you. And that thing can do absolutely nothing for you. But when we enter into the presence of God, We have a God who hears and a God who cares and a God who knows everything there is to know about us. We have a God that knows when we're going through difficult times and and we're we're defeated and, and we're discouraged. We have a God who knows what's happening in our life. It doesn't matter whether we're having maybe some financial struggles or emotional struggles or job struggles or family struggles. We have a God that says, hey, I know what you're going through. I hear what you're going through. I see what you're going through. And I want you to know I'm here for you he's a great God we serve a great God and yet so often we just take it for granted our God is so great honestly none of us deserve salvation none of us deserve to be saved but yet he's so great that he was willing to offer it not through anything that we could do but through his own son because that's the only way we could have it And then, not only does he give us salvation, but he gives us the privilege and the right to enter into his presence. At any moment, at any time that we want to, we can just come boldly before his throne. And he says, oh, by the way, I have a home for you too. I have a home that is far greater than any home you could ever imagine. I've got a home for you, and one day you're going to be with me for all of eternity. A friend, can we not say that our God is a great God? And we deserve nothing. We deserve nothing but to spend eternity in the lake of fire because of our sins. But he is so great and he is so loving and kind that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He's a great God. He's a great God. Turn with me to page number 32 in your songbook. In page number 32... We think of him being a great God and a great king. We have the song, crown him with many crowns. He is such a great king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Crown him with many crowns. We're just going to sing a couple of verses of this. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me. And hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. 
Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and side. Rich wounds yet visible above. In beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his wandering eye at mystery so bright. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, who rose victorious, For those he came to save, his glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Aren't you glad he's your king? He's not just some king that passes away. He's not just some king that rules for a little bit. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is from everlasting to everlasting. (laughs) Oh, my friend, he is a great God. And he is the king of kings. He's the king of all these gods that men try to make up. But you know, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You know what Paul is telling Timothy? Man, it's a, it's a privilege to be a Christian. It's a privilege to be able to enter into the presence of God. But friend, one day, the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming back. And he's going to take us home to be with him for all of eternity. What a privilege that is. What a great day that's going to be. And here's the thing. None of us deserve it. We don't deserve it. But that's how great our God is. That's the king that we serve. Can I ask you? Do you serve him? I didn't say, is he your king? I didn't say, are you a Christian? I said, do you serve him? Because just because we're a Christian doesn't mean we serve the king. We can be a Christian and serve self. We can be a Christian and just do what we want to do. But look what the psalmist says, for the Lord is a great God. And he says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Why? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He's greater than everything. Does he not deserve our praise? Does he not deserve our thanks? Does he not deserve our service? We just had a great missions conference. And praise God, many decisions were made. But you know, there's some people still fighting serving God. They're still fighting that. What about my life? What about my plans? What about my family? What about, wait a minute, no, no. You serve the king of kings. Can I tell you something? The king of kings can take care of you. You know why? Because he's a great God. He says, is he going to let me do what I want to do? That's not up to you. It's up to him. You've got to surrender to him. You've got to be willing to do what he wants you to do because he's the king, not you. 
He's supposed to be the king. So many times we make self the king of our life. Oh, when he, who is the king of kings and lord of lords, deserves that place in our life. Are we serving him? One day he's coming back. One day he's going to come. What will he find? Will he find us serving? Will he find us just doing what we want to do? Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to page number 28. (coughs) Page number 28. I think this is probably familiar to everyone. How great thou art. We're just going to sing the first, the third, and the fourth. And again, as we sing it, think about who he is. Think about what he's done. He saved you. He's placed you upon the rock of salvation. He says, come. Come into my presence. Anytime you want. Hey, I've got a home waiting for you. You're going to be with me for all of eternity. Is he not a great God? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think that God His Son not sparing sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross My burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, And take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow 
in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Father, we thank You because You are a great God. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And sending Him to die for our sins. So that our salvation is not upon us. Or what we can do. It's not on a religion. It's not based upon a church. It's based upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're undeserving of that. Lord, we thank You and we praise You this morning for that. Thank You, Lord, that we can enter into Your presence at any time. You've given us that privilege as your children to come boldly into your presence. Lord, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. You've prepared a home for us. We can be with you for all of eternity. Lord, may we truly praise you and thank you for what you've done in our lives. You are such a great God. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly to our feet this morning.